and hello. So glad you were able to join us. We are especially excited about, uh, to be sharing with you these two amazing off-Broadway shows from two of our favorite theater companies. So won't you join us as we delve right into them? To get things started, we go back to MTC's theater at the New York City Center to see their new play, Golden Shield. Yay, opening night! My second opening night in New York. Woot. Who did you go to opening night with, Andrew? Friend of the show and, and actually member of the program, uh, Tysha Scott. She hooked me up with uh, opening night tickets. Uh, Tysha's amazing. We love Tysha. Um, and uh, it also came with a ticket to the opening night party, which was also really cool. So, you know, <coughs> throwing bougie all around. Um, but back to the show. Such a good show. <coughs> um, such an important topic, too. Discussing the ability to hold uh, corporations responsible for international wrongdoing. Uh, using the American court system to hold them accountable. Which sounds very, like, you know, boring. But what's interesting is a lot of corporations will base themselves outside of the U.S., but if they have a branch or what have you here in the U.S., under our, apparently under our law, the U.S. can prosecute them. So this deals with, in China, before the 2008 Summer Olympics, a company in America, a cyber company, basically helped them amplify and better their um, chances of getting the no, no 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 it was it was software to help filter block and um, edit the internet there oh so they were like censor uh, um, uh, censoring yeah because you know the 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 internet in, in China is not wide open and free it is monitored yes. Facebook doesn't exist in China they have their own version same, all of their communications. Um, they have Chinese versions that are censored, monitored, and all that by the, the Chinese government. And so this American corporation offered a better uh, software, what have you, to continue a firewall to protect and, to, and, and also to not only protect, but to find... The things they were censoring. Right. Um... And so it was covering that, um, but also in the process, there were people who were doing the data input that they, they did the data input in China, so they used Chinese workers, and some of these Chinese workers caught on to what was happening. They were strengthening it and that, and they also knew how to disable it and whatnot, and these workers were wrongfully imprisoned and whatnot, and the word got out, so the U.S. District Attorney went to go prosecute this company because basically by because of them because of their doing and they knew about it these people were beaten and and their lives and all that stuff it was a really powerful play and i will go into it in a full episode but i just found it fascinating because i was like i didn't realize that we our law our our system of laws had that and in such a flawed judicial system we that that exists here in, in the states i didn't realize there's some inkling of good Globally, you know, international law is such a. I'm not a lawyer, so I just look at that and I go, "That's a hard thing to do." So that made me go, "Oh, okay." Right. Well, I mean, I can understand that because 
how can laws that we as U.S. citizens have chosen to abide by, how can those affect people who don't even live here to abide by Well, it's by more, them? I think it just, it boils down to more obvious laws, humanitarian violations, kind of okay. like. Okay. But anyway, back to the show. The set was gorgeous and so amazing. The lighting was so amazing. It was very, um, the set was, <coughs> what's the word I'm looking for? Walls would pop out and become things. Um, versatile? Versatile and just, they made Intricate? use. They made use of the space very well. Oh, okay. Um, the tables literally, like, they would fly in from off stage because everything was on wheels, but they would, like, fly. Like, someone would just, like, yeet from off stage, which was really cool. The lighting was fantastic, as always with this theater, you know. I mean, and all of the design elements with this were nothing shy of MTC. That's good. The sound design was flawless, perfect amplification, and perfect background sound. There was a lot of background sound present, which was really, really good and key um, to set the mood, but also when we had the court scenes, the deafening silence, which okay. I thought was really important to, to amplify the testimony of the people being questioned. So it had a good dichotomy of sound. Yes. The costumes were amazing, perfectly fitting, and wonderfully diverse, which is important because, you know, you've obviously you have Americans and Chinese you're dealing with. Um, uh, Julie, the lawyer's outfit, totally looked the part of a vicious lawyer. She had that suit, um, just that vicious, like, lawyer in heels kind of thing. It was great. Um, the the screaming boss, the, the white guy, just had this rumbled jacket that looked really... Like an unfriendly child. Okay. So the costume design was perfect in amplifying their personalities. Oh, I love that. The wigs also looked amazing. They were very well designed, very well executed, really emphasized our character because you had like uh, a Chinese CEO kind of person who had this beautiful tight wig. Um, but you also had then her playing um, the wife of, of one of the imprisoned Chinese data enters. And so she it was a little more looser and you could just see she's trying to keep it together but not so mm -hmm. all of that was really really well done um the acting was fantastic it was so well thought out so well executed um the pacing and flow was perfect it flowed so well this is the thing i love about procedure i love procedural shows i love procedural shows and especially when they're paced perfectly it has to have good pace and otherwise you get bogged down and then you're like uh oh the relationships <coughs> excuse me the relationship dynamics were wonderful and heartbreaking because you had this lawyer Ju julie judy who was the district from the district attorney's office the u.s attorney's office and her, she was prosecuting mm -hmm. but her sister was the translator and they had like this estranged relationship <coughs> because the lawyer left to go to the States to study law and then just kind of left her and the, the younger sister and her mom who her mom was just like nuts in China. Oh. And her sister and the two sisters have never really like... Had a chance to like talk about reconcile it. Reconcile kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of that there. It's it's great in that sense and the way it ends. It's, yeah. Um, I love the way that the show jumped around in time which was great and they did they did a really good job of like at the top of the scene, they announced what the time period was. So it was like you were reading a court transcript or a diary. Oh, nice. 
um, love the always present translator. So there was there was a translator, a guy play, who who was the translator, um, because not only did he act as he was like the Chinese translator, especially like in the with dealing with the companies and whatnot, he was the omni narrator. So we were watching this show, okay, uh-huh. and he was always like there translating what we were seeing too like if you like the the subtext the body language that kind of thing i'm pointing that out which i really liked it was almost like that commentary the director's cut kind of thing okay and it was and i thought that was really important it was nice to have that input especially because it was played by a asian um actor mm-hmm so it had more of the Asian influence. Like, they weren't saying, like, in general human, but, like, I think it was coming from the Asian culture perspective. Specifically, probably Chinese culture? Yeah, I, I don't want I, I gotta go back and look at the program, because I think they were a Chinese actor. Mm-hmm. To wrap it up, um, I really appreciate the realness of the characters, especially Ava, the sister, and her humanity towards the professor. So the professor was the one who they convinced to come testify, who was imprisoned in that. The humanity is the important thing. At the heart of this is humanity. Okay. Uh, this was just a wonderful show, top to bottom. A really important show, and I can't wait to read the script. Sadly, this show closed on June 12, It's her childhood. She put a snippet of her childhood on stage. Um, And I can't recall the composer, but he passed early on in the pandemic. Sadly. Yes. Yes. And um, when we do the full show, we will be going into it in great detail. But the entire production is dedicated to him, and rightly so. Um, But it was very clever. Very fun, just delightful and raunchy, and it's raucous, and it's it is Sarah Silver. It's exactly what you expect from Sarah Silver. Absolutely, and and so Atlantic Theater Company never disappoints. Never, I've never seen a show that that I'm like, oh well, okay. Especially their musicals. I mean, Kimberly Akimbo, obviously, but also like The Secret Life of Bees. We saw Ain't No Disco. Ain't No Disco there. Um. Now, see, I'm, 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 I'm reaching here because I can't remember past that. I'm getting old. But, you know, um, they don't disappoint when it comes to musicals in particular. So I was excited about this, and it didn't. this didn't let me down. This almost had a fun home S to it if it was just, like, completely raucous, raunchy, Comedy Central-esque. Anyway, 
the set is incredibly versatile. So there was a lot of esque in there, and I was trying to. I love esque. I was trying to create a picture in my mind based on what you were saying, and the esques were throwing me off. If I'll get into it, I'll get into it. The set was incredibly versatile and an incredible use of small space. It came across as a like as huge with how well designed it was, and with all the walls being able to move and transform into different spaces. Because that space is not big. But it felt huge, which is I love. Is it the one that was at the, at the church? Linda Gross Theater, yes. yes. Yeah. Um, the lighting was really fantastic and ambitious, using a lot of colors reminiscent of the 80s, which is when it took place. The greens and yellows and blues, I was like, yes, I'm living for all of this. The costumes were perfection. Hello, 80s. I'm all about the 80s, man. Um, they were just fantastic. And matching it with the hair, the like iconic 80s hair. The older sister had that like um, curly but big hair, you know, that you just see. Not the Farrah Fawcett kind of thing. No, but, no, you no. Know. We're talking about the crunchy permed. Yes, 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 yes. Clubbing. And she, the younger girl, just had like the bowl. Sarah Silverman's kind of had like the bowl, the, the yeah. Chris. Yep, yep. You had all these great 80s haircuts. Dad had the mustache going on you know oh yes yes um the character of sarah had a brilliant hair design that not only made her stand out but also made her appear odd and iconic sarah silverman because that's the thing to me i'm just gonna uh, like an aside sarah silverman as a comedian for me like i've never until now viewed her as like up there in the tomes of comedians because she's so different and unique. But after the show and then like thinking in hindsight, I was like, oh my God, Sarah Silverman's actually a really freaking smart comedian and really good. And I think the reason why I've never appreciated her is because she does has her like have her own style, her own way of doing comedy, her own like she is her own person. She stands out from the rest. And I it's taken me this long to realize, but I, I've always thought this way, but like you know, coming to connect the thought, I really respect that. And my brain just, there's a reason why I, I've never hated Sarah Silverman, but I've never like wanted to wear the shirt like, I love Sarah Silverman. You know what I mean? And seeing the show and like just seeing the, the, the design of that character, I just went, yeah, Sarah Silverman's always walked to the beat of her own drum, done her own thing, good for her. Okay, sidebar done. The music was really fantastic. Clever melodies and phrases. It sounds like a music of a Broadway show. Just putting that up there. In fact, every time I see an ad or something come across my social media for this, I can literally hear the lead, uh, the main number from the show. I'm a bad weather. Ba -ba -da -ba -da -ba -da -ba. Like, I can hear and it. And it has, like, that 80s, like, sitcom yes. vibes. Um, juxtaposed with that are these lyrics that are at times anything but beautiful in the best of ways. Um, like songs like I F'd Your Mom. There's a whole song called I F'd Your Mom. Uh, Miss New Hampshire, Crazy Donnies. They're, they're these songs are just like, the lyrics are like, okay, wow. But they fit so really, like they, you can't change it. The cast was star-studded, Cassie Levy, B.B. Newworth, hello. It was an overall delight, and I wouldn't be surprised if it moved to Broadway. Um, so I want to just circle back real quick. Love that phrase, circle back. To what I said about Fun Home, but raunchy. You got kids dropping F-bombs and things like that. 
So you got a lot of kids here, and the show is focused like on a kid and their upbringing, similar to like Fun Home, right? But like Fun Home, there was still an air of innocence to it. An air of innocence. An, an aura. Um. So let's say this would play on maybe ABC or Disney Channel, right? This is a similar show or story that would be on HBO at the same time. Okay. Or on cable. Because the kids so are telling is, really dirty jokes. Okay, so this is basically um, Full House, but on HBO. R- instead of exactly, on Exactly, exactly. Okay. This is the family guy to the SpongeBob. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's much raunchier in the best way. Like, this is full-on adult humor. In the opening scene to hear this little girl drop the F-bomb, I was like... I wouldn't be mad about it. What age range are they supposed to be? I want to say nine or ten. Okay, (laughs) cool. Sorry, when you say little kid, there's a wide I'm going to say eight to twelve in that rank, because I think she's in the sixth grade. Or sister's in the eighth grade, I believe. Okay. I think she's in the fourth or fifth. Okay, cool. So... Tickets for the show currently playing at the Atlantic Theater Company's Linda Gross Theater are on sale through July 10th, 2022. And this concludes this episode of the Broadway Bulletin. Be sure to tune into our next edition coming out every Tuesday and Saturday. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Booga Blue by U.S. Army Blues. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you'll find all the information about our backstage pass. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you. <laughs>